Guys, guess what we just did? We just had our interview with Carter Sickles. That will be what you're hearing or watching next after this little intro. Honestly, the interview was so great. He was the sweetest. We feel so lucky to have gotten to interview we him. Felt and- so we've made it at this point. So like <laughs> podcast is over, guys. Sorry. Yeah, this see you guys later. <laughs> We're going to end on a high note. Um, no, but he was um, the most, you can tell he's just such a thoughtful person and the way he approaches his you know, novels and he's writing again, um, which everyone will be excited to hear about. Um, and so then excited. So I was like, where's your grocery list? And so he, hopefully that will be coming soon to your Instagram story. I'm kidding. Um, but in the meantime, listen to this interview. Yes. Have fun. This was so, such a joy to speak with him and we feel so grateful that he took the time. So Enjoy. we'll let you guys listen and we'll see you in the next episode. Okay. Bye. bye. Thanks so right. much for chatting. You can, we can't even tell you how cool we feel. Like, <laughs> right? We do. We seriously, really do. we feel like we have fucking made it. <laughs> this, this is it. <laughs> well, well, thank you for you know reading the book and for promoting it so much and getting the. Well, word Jamie, out there. Jamie's okay. the one that you want her to, to promote it. I have like. <laughs> A tenth of the it, followers. It's wild. <laughs> well, it like honestly, I was just I came across it in like a list that was like books you need to read in 2020. And mm. I was like, oh, this looks great. And just like put it on. But like I, you know, hadn't like heard on like the bookstagram buzz or anything like that. And as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, every everyone needs to read this. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah it's huge fans. <laughs> All right. So we're um so the name of our podcast is Try Saying That Out Loud. And I'll actually give credit to Lo for that name. Lo, Lo I'll let you explain what well, exactly no, it there's means. There's no credit. No credit owed. <laughs> It, it is from Shit's Creek, if you haven't watched that show, which now is getting a ton of buzz. But I, it was literally something that came out of David's mouth. And I was like, that is it. That I is love it. that show. Yeah. The best show, the best. right? I cried <laughs> so, actual tears of sorrow. When I still I haven't thought, finished the last season, but okay, oh, I tell, I I'm like saving you. it. Yeah. No, save it. <laughs> Cherish it. Because I didn't know there was going to be a season six. And so Jamie had told me to watch it. And I watched up through season five and cried tears of true sorrow and pain. Mm. I was like, what am I supposed to do in quarantine <laughs> if I don't have this show? And then season right. six came and I just cried again at the end because of the same reason. So it, it's so yeah, good. I'm excited to finish it, but it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so we have, so the name of the podcast is try saying that out loud. And the way we've kind of interpreted that as our title is every episode we talk about our try saying that out loud moment of the month where it's like, ooh, that doesn't sit well with us. A lot of it has been like around racism and discrimination and just kind of like what we've been dealing with in quarantine, like where we realize the immense privilege we've been sitting with and things like that. So to hit it off at the beginning, do you have a try saying that out loud moment that has hit you particularly hard in quarantine? I mean, it's a great Question. I don't know. I mean, of course, I've been so impacted as we all have just kind of watching what's been happening from the the pandemic to all of the um, protests and and watching that and participating in those this summer. But I was thinking about just the pandemic and quarantine and how I guess in the beginning, it just felt like time kind of slowed down and we were sort of all focused on things that mattered relationships and friends and our lives and and that 
quiet sort of has shifted, at least for me. And I think for most of us now, we're just Everyone. <laughs> so yeah, busy, just working, working, working. But yet for most of us, or many of us, we're also not socializing. <laughs> uh-huh. We're not seeing friends in the same way that we did before. And um, so I think, you know, like I'm a quiet person. I can handle solitude. I think a lot of writers feel that way, but I am missing like my friends deeply, just seeing them and being around them. And I think I'm also just missing like encounters with strangers, you know, just like observing people, interacting with people, which is often like sparks for fiction. So just kind Mm -hmm. of being out in the world and that kind of spontaneity and travel that that can bring. Uh, Yeah. Missing all of that for sure. I feel you. I'm like, I'm really feeling like the lack of just like being able to just like go places and, you know, spontaneity of trips, like a drive trip to go yeah. somewhere. That's not a thing. I yeah. I legitimately will go on a hike, but be like, but where am I going to pee? Like, this is a whole <laughs> thing. Like, I can't go to the bath. Like, where am I going to go? And I don't want to go in a public <laughs> restroom. But I feel you on the, like, I've always considered myself to be an introvert in a lot of ways. My recharging of my batteries happens when I'm by myself. So I mm-hmm. actually... Literally, I have a friend who who created like a a line of like apparel that where she donated proceeds to like Meals on Wheels and things like that. And I made her create one that said thriving introvert because I was like, I am, this is great. I don't need to see people ever. I don't need to like have these, you know, conversations, but I'm starting to feel, and I joke because Jamie and I created this podcast in April, was it April, Jay? And I was was like, there's a reason we did that because we're literally starving for human connection any way we can get it. And it's just so fascinating how those things kind of unfold. But um, I feel you on the, I'm suddenly like, okay, it would be nice to be able to hug someone. That would be really pleasant. Wonderful. I think we're all feeling tired, you know? Yeah. Well, now everyone expects this to be the new normal. So like that quiet that you were talking about doesn't exist anymore because it's like, well, we had to get back to some sort of normal life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's like the normal is just about work (laughs) and it's not, it's still not about it's keeping ourselves busy, keeping ourselves yeah. busy, right? Just it's like yeah. a method of ignoring what's going on in the broader world. So fingers crossed for November. Fingers <laughs> crossed. I mean, that's the change we all need right now, right? It's like uh-huh. I'm feeling tired and also just enraged all the time. So well, yeah. and I'm feeling a little bit energized <laughs> lately because of just seeing like the lines of people voting yeah. and just like setting that. Like, what did they say? Someone on the news was saying that they think that more people are voting now. It's like comparable to like the 50s or like some wild that's time. Amazing. So yeah. I was like, yay! At least people we'll are getting out. Yeah, getting out to vote. So that's so important. Um, well, cool. So where are you in pit quarantine, by the way? Are you quarantining somewhere fun or just at home? <laughs> just at home. I live in Lexington. Okay. Kentucky. Okay, yeah. cool. Oh, so you're not far. Well, I don't know. I, the South is like the same thing. <laughs> she lives in California, so she oh, like doesn't okay. really know. I'm like, mm, I'm like North Carolina, where Jamie is. Like, not far, right? And then I stop myself. I mean, it's, like, not, it's closer than you. I'm in Charlotte. Um, oh, you're in Charlotte. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lo, do you want to... Do you want to start the speed round? We're going to kind of throw <laughs> yes, some okay. softballs at you to get oh, you warmed God. up. Okay. Get you warmed up. Okay. They'll be fun. Hopefully fun. Okay. Um, okay. Favorite book of all time and favorite book in quarantine that you've read? I mean, I don't know. I don't necessarily have like a one favorite book of all time. I think that like 
Toni Morrison's Beloved is very high on my list. And then this book doesn't usually get as many cheers, but I'm a huge fan of Moby Dick. I think it's a really... Really? <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Incredible book. But I for so long, I didn't want to read it because like, why do I want to read about this, you know, dude chasing <laughs> a whale? But it actually <laughs> is very funny. And it's just, it's really smart about race and America at that time. And yeah, it's a pretty incredible book. But Beloved is, I think, one of the best American novels. Yeah, I love Beloved so much. Okay, so, so what about favorite TV? Oh, yeah. Oh, Quarantine. Well, right now I'm, I'm still reading it, but I'm reading this book by Vanessa Veselka, The Great Offshores, which was long listed for the National Book Award. And it's, it's a really incredible big novel which I like lots of different storylines and characters and Jamie is afraid of big books (laughs) and I like big books and I cannot I was gonna say this sounds right (laughs) up your alley (laughs) (laughs) I like wrote it down I was like yeah okay yeah big book great (laughs) okay what about favorite tv show of all time and then your favorite that you binged in quarantine (laughs) well again like I don't think I can say like one of all time but we were just talking about Schitt's Creek and that's pretty great. Um, I'm Us loving too. that during quarantine. It's like I said, I'm kind of like, I don't want to finish it all at once because it helps me, you know, <laughs> when I'm feeling just like too depressed, I can just watch that show. And it's, yep. It's I'm on my third time rewatching it. So <laughs> I, no, I watched the little like Netflix documentary about after I watched season six, it's like a 45 minute and I was crying so much in the documentary because they show their last table read an emotional disaster apparently. And And I was like, okay, so we're going to start it over. Right. And my husband was like, yeah, we can start it over. And he's not a show rewatcher. So it was a big moment for us. (laughs) Yeah. Good. And then I think, did you all watch, I may destroy you. No. No. Okay. So that show kind of destroyed me, but um. (laughs) what channel is it on? Um, or is it a Netflix I, show? I think it's H. It's HBO. Okay. Yeah. Oh yes. So low. Uh, that's next on our list. I mean, definitely like not. It is actually funny. Parts of it are funny, but much, right. But it's like a little um, deeper. Yeah, much darker and deeper, but really. Powerful. Which I am normally like. I don't watch the Shit's Creek type of shows, so that's mm. very much on my alley. Yes, I laughed, Jamie, when you asked channel. I was like, is channel even a real question? <laughs> I mean, like, if it's a show that's, like, current, it might still be airing on a channel, like ABC. Right. Yeah, okay. I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. What is- What's your coffee order? I just like to drink it right when I wake up. I'm just, like, you know, standard kind of drip coffee with some cream in it. And that's... Mm-hmm. That's it. I, I keep wanting to drink more tea. Like, I feel like I should drink more tea, but I'm just not much of a tea drinker. I'm yeah, the coffee drinker and Lo is the tea drinker, so. <laughs> well, because coffee can't drink makes, coffee at all. No, I shake. I, like, become, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm like, what can I do? And my old coworkers <laughs> used to just be like, go cure cancer if you're, like, that <laughs> insane. So it was, it's not okay. I get not feeling well. Okay, so. Tell us a little bit about you, your background, where you grew up, anything you'd like to share just kind of about your life before becoming an author. I grew up in a small town in Ohio. And yeah, I mean, I was a kid. I, when I was a kid, I read a lot, loved going to the library every couple of weeks and getting a big stack of books. And then um, I was just a big reader and I was writing like little stories when I was a kid, but um, 
then I went on to college and I started studying in English and then creative writing pretty early in my college life. And then, yeah, I continued on to get an MFA in fiction. And, you know, I think I've been writing for most of my... I was going to say, it sounds like you sort of knew from the beginning. I think so. I mean, I was a quiet kid and I just read a lot and wrote... You know, yeah, it came up with stories. I love that. Do you have any of your stories from childhood? Like, I'm sure at that like, point it was like pen to paper, right? Like, I, yeah, I kind of yeah, did yeah. this a similar thing. I wrote, was very nerdy, but I, I would write stories, but I don't think any of them are saved because it was like handwriting. I don't think I had it was loose leaf. Right. Yeah. I think I do have a few. I need to like look through that stuff and see what I wrote. It'd be so fun that, to like, see. Yeah. I think early on they were just like stories about animals or something. You know, like. No, I was writing about horses. I was <laughs> totally a horse girl. And like everyone. You can sell them money. for thousands of dollars. <laughs> right. Yeah, I should look for them. Yeah. <laughs> well, so fiction was always your, your jive. What was like your favorite book when you, in childhood, when you were growing up that you read? I mean, I think I read, like I said, I definitely read a lot of like books about animals, you know, and a lot of like Beverly Cleary books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then The Outsiders was a big influence. Oh, such yeah. a good one. Mm-hmm. That's a really yeah. good one. Like fifth or sixth grade or something. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So cool. So what prompted you or like inspired you to write The Prettiest Star? You know, I think about like if I was an author, do I remember the moment of like, this is when I decided, like, did something strike you? Did something happen? Like, what was it that caused this novel in particular? I mean, I'd had a few different ideas I was kind of working on, but this one was the one that just sort of stuck. I wanted to write about a gay man who was HIV positive and returned to his small town in the 80s, like during the AIDS crisis of the 80s and 90s. And um, I think the spark was this seeing this episode of Oprah when I was young, where it was about a gay man in West Virginia who'd gone swimming in his swimming pool in 1987. And he was HIV positive and got kicked out of the pool. And um, that story kind of lodged itself in my brain because when I watched the TV episode, she had gone to his town and was like a town hall. So there were like maybe 200 members of his town in the audience. And it was really ugly and vitriolic. And um, he was there. The man was there on stage. And people said things like, you know, AIDS is nature's way of eradicating gay men and just really intense, awful, horrific things. And I think it, like, I didn't understand it at the time, but I think it just kind of lodged itself in my brain because it was like long before I came out of the closet, but I think it just sort of stuck with me. I mean, how do you forget that? (laughs) Yeah. So then I just started thinking about writing that story, you know, that's where it started. Well, and that was in, that was in the book that scene. Yeah. yeah. And that was Jamie's like, she was like, I cannot forget that. I mean, it's hard for anyone who reads that book. All of our friends who've read it are just very um, moved to tears in a lot of ways by that scene in particular in the book. So you did an incredible job with that. Thank you. So I have to ask, is David Bowie, was he like, is that like a personal favorite of yours? Or was it more like, I think that David Bowie's storyline fits this book well? Yeah, I mean, I was a fan of David Bowie, not so much in high school. I kind of came to him later, but I was really just thinking about Brian as someone who's a little older, you know, older than I am and who would have grown up in the 70s and thinking about like what 
music what he had been listening to and David Bowie kept coming up for me and I was thinking of someone who was so sort of wild and flamboyant and unapologetic and was there like a, a queer icon you know and and how that would have just felt so radical and inspiring for Brian it's perfect and then when I was working on the book is when in 2016 Bowie died and so I think I like leaned into that even more, you know, because I was listening to a lot of his music and just reading more about him and about his influence on people. Yeah, I loved that tie-in. I loved all the David Bowie references for sure. Thank you. What was your, um, I guess it's hard for you to answer this question, I'm sure, but what was your favorite part? What was your, I guess maybe this is a better way to say it. What character story did you most enjoy telling? in the novel. Cause I think something that I particularly appreciated about it was that you kind of go in and you're introduced to Brian and you think, you think that the character journey is going to be around Brian. But I think what I walked away with is not Brian obviously had his moments of growth and change, but it was everyone around him. I think that was more impacted than mm-hmm. you would anticipate. And so even like his sister and those types of people, you know, ancillary to like the true crux of the story. So whose story character did you enjoy telling the story of the most, I guess, for lack of a better way to ask that question? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I mean, I loved writing all of their characters. I think probably the most complicated or difficult was probably writing Sharon's character and her point of view to really do that with kind of empathy, but also not be too kind of forgiving of her and show all her mistakes and flaws. Mm-hmm. I think as far as like enjoyable, like really loving, I, it was actually probably Letty. Like I really loved writing mm-hmm. her character, who's the grandmother. Best. Yes. The best. <laughs> you know, it's like yes. she, I wanted her to be this force with her like dyed black. She was. Her chain smoking. <laughs> and like, I wanted her to like, yeah, just be someone in the family who really defended Brian and who stood behind him and who yeah. didn't feel that kind of shame or embarrassment. So I really, I wanted her, I wanted him to have somebody in the family he could really rely on. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely was an anchor. I was like yeah. cheering her on all the way. And she was we talked best. about, yeah, we talked about in our, um, when we read this book together, we had like an Instagram live about it. And we talked about kind of the unsung hero and I, Letty's hu- late husband, I was like, right mm-hmm. on. I was like, he's the reason why in my mind, why Letty was the way she was, or sorry, her brother, the way he was. And so I, mm. we just, I loved that whole backstory that kind of, I mean, maybe that was my imagination, but I'm kind of unfolding and making that character come to life a little bit more. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I think that connection of like her b- brother who was, as she said, artistic, right. Yes. Was that kind of connection yeah. for Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. So who did you first let read the book when you thought it was done for the first, you're like, all right, this is it. This is my first draft. I'm done. And is that like a stressful, <laughs> I would be more, hor- so scared. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, this person is a safe space. I'm going to make sure they read it. Cause it's such a personal thing. You're writing. You're right. Writing so hard. I mean, I think I gave the first draft to my husband because he, you know, he's, he also is like a safe reader like I know he's gonna be truthful but also gentle very generous and gentle. <laughs> yeah. you know so he read it and then I gave it to uh, my friend Megan Cruz who's a writer but at that point it had been a little bit more developed and polished so I needed yeah. someone to kind of you know 
tell me what was working and what wasn't working. So was your first reader or your husband, was it when it was done or did he read it different portions of your writing process? I mean, it wasn't like a hundred percent done. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, okay. but he, he shed a few tears. So that felt like a good. I mean, I yeah. was, I, yeah, we I, both I, did. I ugly <laughs> cried for like way too long, way yeah. too long. And going back to that poem at the end, I was like, okay. <laughs> I know Lo has the most burning question for you that I, okay. okay. I have to know about the ending and this is going to spoil yeah. it for people that are listening to this. <laughs> I know. Right. Spoiler book. alert. If you haven't read it, skip ahead I just like a minute have or so. To know. I, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm toxic optimist where I just kind of saw it as this, you know, obviously Brian's dad was someone we did not love throughout the novel at all. It was hard, like you said, to have empathy for his character. And we didn't hear from him very often. So mm-hmm. when I approached the very end of the book, I kind of was like, oh, I wonder if we're going to hear from his dad. That mm. would be an interesting way to end this in some capacity. <laughs> but then the poem. And so some people have so many different interpretations of it. And I just, mm. I need to hear it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> what, your, what your intention for the ending was, if you will give it to us. You mean the poem itself or? Well, yeah. Like how um, you, yeah. All of it. <laughs> all of it. Okay. Well, I don't want to like just say what I, I think, because I think it's good to have the reader's interpretations and experience fair, and personal. Fair. fair. But I'll say about Travis for sure. Like I wanted to have his perspective, but have it in that third person. Just, there's a little bit more distance because mm-hmm. I wanted the reader to feel like his kind of silence in the book and how sort of damaging that is to Brian and to his whole family and to himself and to feel like how inaccessible he is. But I also wanted to give him a moment and I felt like I, I had that kind of image of him crossing the field and thinking about his son and regretting things, but it's sort of too late, right? At that point mm-hmm. um, that he realizes he should have shown up for his son and he didn't. And then I, in an earlier draft, I actually didn't with that chapter. And then a couple of my readers were like, I, I guess my agent actually was like, I don't think we can end with Travis. Like he shouldn't get the last word, you know? And I already had that chapter of just those kind of images and memories that Brian has um, right before that. So I just switched those chapters, which felt like so obvious, but sometimes when you're writing it, you can't quite you're too close to it. No, yeah. that's so true. I mean, I'm really glad because so in my view, it was I Travis redeemed himself in some way because I was like, mm-hmm. okay, he's I saw it as he had regret. And that was kind of like, yeah. you know, his moment of reckoning in some ways. Yeah. But you're so right to not end with that because it w- didn't give him time that he didn't deserve. You know what I mean? From right. the entire narrative of the story. So that's so cool. But no, I think, I don't know, Jamie, did we even talk about the ending? I, we never really No, I was, it, I, I was just like hysterical and then mass texted people and was like, <laughs> you have to read this. <laughs> That's pretty much how that went down. <laughs> uh, just so beautiful. So, so speaking of that, end it. are you writing your next book yet? Or are you sort of riding the wave from this one right now? Yeah. I mean, I'm working on a new novel. It's pretty, it's still really early on. So it feels kind of too difficult to talk about it right now. But um, I am that's all we need to know is that you're writing because that's all at this point. Do you have a grocery list? Like send it my (laughs) way. I'll read it. I'm very down. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I'm working on that. And then, you know, I've published a few essays that you can find online and some short stories, but yeah. We're very excited to read what comes next. Yes. Thank you. 
And for a final question, just because we don't get to ask this of authors very often, obviously we are both on Bookstagram and be honest, you can tell us you hate it. What are your thoughts on, on like the Bookstagram and the book dark world of the of internet? Crazy readers. <laughs> oh no, it's, it's been great. I mean, I didn't know anything about it, you know, getting until we started getting like responses from all of you. And um, it's been great. I love it because it's been a way to get my book out there to all these readers outside of just like the writing community, just to right. readers. And, um, you know, it's been great because you all write reviews, which is, is fun. You get the book out there to other people and y'all take great photos of my book. It's <laughs> fun to see my, <laughs> my book in all these different locations with really- That like, is probably the best part for sure. Like we're yeah. always very, very verbose and- Probably a little bit annoying, but the pictures are great. <laughs> the pictures are great, but it makes me know. It makes me happy that, I mean, because we're always hearing that books are sort of dying out, that people aren't reading. And I think it's just great to, to know that people are reading. And I think especially during quarantine, I think people have been even more kind of voraciously reading. And so, yeah, I, yeah, I think my book cart would beg to differ about that people aren't reading. Like, like, good. Beg to differ. He's like, how much money have you been spent on books? Uh, right. Well. Yes. And enthusiasm has been great. Yeah. I'm sure it's, a, it looks different for all of you who are in the bookstagram world. I'm sure it's more complicated, but for well, my, is there a, okay. it's a great word. Yeah, co- yes. It's complicated to use a Facebook relationship status. Um, no, there's a right. Okay. I'm going to say it wrong. Is it a writer's Instagram? Writstagram? Writstagram? Yeah. Is I don't know right- how that's there's something? Is there? I don't know. Okay. Well, that's good. Cause yeah, yeah, it's probably right I can't imagine trying to create in a world of other, I don't know. It'd be too much for a writer. Yeah. I cannot imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be too much for me, but Yeah. Well, we don't want to take up too much more of your time, but thank you so much for for coming on here. Thank you. Yeah. This was was a dream come true. And I'm just going to, I'm going to plug your book for you. Thank you. Have it. If you haven't read it, Carter Sickles, the prettiest star, my favorite book of 2020. I will keep saying it. Very well placed. Thank you. Oh yeah. I see it in the, I see it in the background back there. Well, Well, thank thank you so much, Carter. Have a great one. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.